0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have great news for you. Our partners at Bet Online continue to get it done as the number one resource for all your betting needs this season in sports. We're talking NFL, NBA, NHL, esports, even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting props and futures, and hey, it's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events. All you have to do is head on over to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet using our promo code BELIEVE50. Use that code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts.
2: It's always ice cream season in Central New York, and the locally owned and operated Carval in North Syracuse welcomes you to cover Cup- in and grab one of their Santa ice cream cakes or a six-pack of Jolly Cups, both perfect for the Christmas season. Everything at Carvel of North Syracuse is made fresh, so no matter what kind of treat or design you want, they make it happen. Carvel Ice Cream Store opens seven days a week, Brewerton Road, North Syracuse, America's favorite since 1934, and now offering their Santa ice cream cake and six-pack of Jolly Cups. Hi, this is Cal Ripken Jr., and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter.
1: ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are brought to you by Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company, Camillus Golf Club, Brewerton Ace Hardware, and our great friend Brian Conboy Mass MassMutual New York State. Tax-efficient retirement planning. Go with Brian today. He is absolutely, positively uh, the best. I mean, we are happy with our financial future. He's got uh, just some awesome plans for you, whether you're sending a youngster to college or you're retiring, making life changes, selling your home, whatever the case might be. He can help you out as the official financial advisor of the ML Sports Platter. Get him on LinkedIn and Facebook and advisors.massmutual.com. Brian Conboy, serving clients all across the United States. Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual New York State. He is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Thanks to friends of the platform as well, the Swan and Whitaker families, the Alonzo family, Bob Lindsley, and Daryl Ebert. Super happy to bring onto the program a guy I respect a bunch. I saw him a couple months back. Uh, In Buffalo for Monday Night Football when I was stringing for ESPN, doing some stats. Uh, He's obviously a guy who's been in TV a long time. He's one of my favorite people. Adam Benini. You can get him on Twitter, at Adam Benini. That's at Adam, B-E-N-I-G-N-I. Sports director for WGRZ Buffalo. He is an Emmy and Murrow winner. And, of course, catch Sports Talk Buffalo live on uh, WGRZ every Monday at 7.30. Adam Benini, my guy. How are you, man?
2: Doing well. How are you, Mike?
1: I'm good. Uh, Cole Beasley, back with the Bills, good move?
2: Well, I think it remains to be seen, but I think it addresses a larger issue with this offense. Uh, I've said this multiple times, even last night on Sports Talk Live before the rumors of his return to Buffalo started to surface, uh, Vic Carucci and I were having the conversation, and you know, it, coming out of the win over the Jets, kind of the questions about the function of the offense and is it operating and producing at a level that it did down the stretch last season and into the postseason. Obviously, I don't think that it is. I mean, I think that's a it's a very legitimate question, and it's been my feeling for a while that one of the factors, there's no one factor, but I think one of the significant ones is that teams are able to match up with them more effectively, opposing defenses, without the presence of a true threat at the slot receiver position. You know, I think they hoped that Isaiah McKenzie was going to be that guy, right? And that really hasn't panned out. Um, Crowder got hurt. So, uh, you know, obviously that hasn't been an answer for them. And uh, so I think now that's obviously the hope. I mean, Cole retired. Um, you know, I think he's going to know the offense since Dorsey has kept most of it, the terminology, pretty much the same. So I think he'll be able to reacclimate pretty quickly to that. And hopefully he can provide a bit of a spark, you know, down the stretch here and into the playoffs. So do I think it's a good move? That remains to be seen, Mike, but I think it's a move that makes sense for the reasons I've described.
1: Heading into the Dolphins game, and with all the hype and expectations with this team, number one in the AFCs, number one in the AFC overall, as we sit here today and talk, what do you like most and what do you like least about this team as far as being a Super Bowl contender, the ability that you know, they have to go win it all at this particular point? What, what do you like most what do you like least? Well, I think this.
2: I think if, if they don't make it to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, it, it, it's not going to be because Von Miller tore his ACL. Okay. I, I think that um, the way this defense is playing right now up front especially I may still have some questions in the secondary looking toward the postseason. Um, but up front with what they've invested in terms of the draft picks, you know, uh, Rousseau first round pick Basham right after that at was a second round pick, but he was their first pick in, in the draft that year. Um, you know, those types of players that bringing back Shaq Lawson, uh, all of that, I mean, I think they've fortified themselves in a way. They've addressed that in a long-term way, not just a short-term one. You know, the Miller signing was supposed to put them over the top. But McDermott has correctly, since even the offseason, has said, you know, these guys really need to come into their own this year, and now they're really having the opportunity to do that. But I thought they acquitted themselves very well at New England. Um, the Thursday night are over in Foxborough. And then I thought you saw it was evidence of that. I mean, the beating that Mike White took in that game and what they were able to do and generate pressure and win the battle of a line of scrimmage on that side of the ball uh, that impressed me offensively. I think there are question marks here. Um, It just has not been the same. Gabe Davis hasn't been the same player. It was nice to see Dawson Knox contribute in the way that he did, but I think you'd probably agree. He has not produced. He would tell you that he hasn't produced, um, at as significant a level that that contract would suggest, right? So the running game, we've seen it, you know, be effective. It isn't as consistent as it needs to be. Josh Allen, again, the leading rusher in that game against the Jets, I'd like to see them be able to perform the way they did at New England. I understand New England defensively, you know, basically told Allen, you're not going to beat us over the top. You've got to do it this way. And I was impressed, and they took advantage of it. But I, I feel like they need to be able to dictate to a greater extent in terms of what they want to do offensively. Uh, we had Lewis Riddick on from ESPN on Sports Talk Live last night, and, and he made a similar point and, and his statement was, they're having to rely too much on the big explosive play instead of just the overall function and consistency of the offense. And so I'd like to see some of those foundational elements kind of return them, become more diverse, and maybe the the, the obviously the Beasley signing is, is aimed in that direction to try and create that. Um, and do I think that it's hard for me to say whether Allen's elbows affect me? Obviously, he missed some throws on Sunday that he would ordinarily make, right? That that one early, and he missed John Brown downfield after that. Um, but, you know, McDermott assures us that he's, you know, making all the throws he needs to in practice, and and Josh has suggested that it really isn't that much of a factor. I, I, think, I think the slot receiver position, there's some issues on the offensive line, but I think the slot receiver position – is a big factor in this, and hopefully Beasley can regain some of his his early form because you think about it. I mean, think about, like, the Patriots, Mike, in their heyday with Brady, right? He had Wes Welker. He had Julian Edelman. You know, that element was, was omnipresent in those offenses when they were at their most dominant level. And I think if you think about this Bills offense, when it really reached its peak, there was a healthy Cole Beasley contributing in that role. So hopefully he can regain some of that form and, and bring some of that back to this offense because I do think that they could use it and I think they become measurably more difficult for opposing defenses to match up against.
1: All right, final thing I have for you, Adam, is, is this. Uh, do you subscribe to a got to get the playoffs to go through Orchard Park. We got the rain, we got the snow, we got the sleet, we got the cold, we got the wind, we got it all. It's home field. Or are you more of like, well, wait a minute. I mean, they also have Josh Allen and they've got all these supposed great weapons on offense and boy, it would be better to kind of have a retractable deal and just make it a track meet. But yet they're winning in different ways right now. McDermott wants the complementary football. Where do you land on the home field advantage? Are you all the way in on Orchard Park? It is, that is the best route for the Bills.
2: Oh, I think it, I think it's big I mean and a buy is obviously the, the thing that comes with that sure right sure. like I don't think you can that's the biggest thing right but um, I mean I think it's a it's a decided advantage Josh Allen has said it that through the years from that first wild card game that in Houston that loss when things got away from them uh, through Kansas City last year and 13 seconds and all of that that he understands the value of home playoff games. Look, listen. If they don't have home field all the way through, do I think they can win the Super Bowl? Absolutely. That's not what I'm saying, but I. I but I'm not going to hold hum a first round bye and um, home field throughout. I mean, I just think. Imagine an AFC Championship game at Highmark Stadium. Given oh. you know what this franchise has been through, what this fan base, um, the, you know, the level of of support they've shown and what they've waited for, and all of that. I mean, I, I think it would be an, a, a definite edge. Um, for Buffalo. So I do think it's a factor, but I don't think it's necessarily one that would, if they don't get the number one seed, if they, say they lose to Cincinnati or whatever, and this thing gets away from them, um, I don't think it's something that would necessarily keep them out of Arizona. It just may be a more difficult path. But the bye would be the biggest thing. in
1: my mind. Yeah, I mean, they should have hosted the AFC title game last year, and we all know why <laughs> that happened. So uh, this was awesome, as I knew it would be. Hey, make sure you catch Sports Talk Buffalo live on uh, WGRZ uh, Channel 2 in Buffalo. He is the sports director and a Buffalo Bills insider, the longtime TV man, Adam Benini, the Emmy and Murrow winner as well, and a five-time rescue dog dad, which is awesome. Appreciate everything you do for dogs, Adam, and uh, follow him on Twitter, at Adam Benini. Appreciate that very much. You're the spot, Adam, and and obviously it was great seeing you a couple months back in Western New York for Monday Night Football against the Titans and continued success your way, man.
2: All right, Mike, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Best to you and happy holidays.
1: Coming up next, I have a crossover episode from the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. My pandemonium podcast guest this week is Buffalo Bills great Jerry Ostrowski, the former offensive lineman, talks about how he would uh, block for Josh Allen, uh, what Dolphins' week was like for him, uh, the edge rush position changing in in the NFL with a more hybrid look, uh, and we get into a heck of a lot more uh, as well, and, and his confidence level is really, really high in this Buffalo Bills team to make a run at the Super Bowl. So we'll talk next with Jerry Ostrowski on a crossover episode on the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. It's the Pandemonium Podcast uh, here on the ML Sports Platter, brought to you by our great friends at Welch & Company Jewelers, Stanley Law Offices, Rosie's Corner, and Brian Conboy at Mass Mutual New York State, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and, of course, at advisors.massmutual.com. Go with Brian today. Get your financial future in order.
2: Your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network.
1: Bills Mafia, what is going on? I'm your host, Mike Lindsley. This is indeed the Pandemonium Podcast and the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Hey, make sure you follow us all over the social platforms at Built in Buffalo underscore. On Twitter, subscribe to the YouTube page, check us out with all the content you need seven days a week at builtinbuffalo And of course, you can hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports as well. Really special guest to bring on to the program. He is a Buffalo Bills uh great and uh got into the Super Bowl run. A little bit late, uh, you know, a few, few of the Super Bowls were already in. He got in for that last one, uh, but uh, played guard for the Bills. And uh, if you know his, uh, his, his story, he played 106 games in the NFL, all with Buffalo. He started 102 of them at center, offensive guard and offensive tackle. And uh, under Wade Phillips, when the Bills had an 8-8, eight and eight, one loss record, he became their starting center, rep- replacing Dusty Ziegler, who went on to play with the Giants. And he played between left guard Ruben Brown and right guard Jamie Nails in all 16 Games And so uh, Jerry Ostrowski is going to join us here on the program. Jerry, I uh, really appreciate a few minutes here. And of course, you can follow Jerry on Twitter at Ostrowski underscore Big O. He's also a University of Tulsa Football Hall of Famer. Pretty cool there. Former Buffalo Bills offensive lineman, Jerry Ostrowski. Hey, Jerry. Hey,
0: no problem, man. Glad to be
1: back. So how do you feel about the Bills going into the last part of the season here? You know, are you, are you confident in this group?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, they've got a really good football team. I think they're a team is primed and ready to go. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the injury bug uh, stays away from them. They kind of got all the injuries out earlier in the year, and you know they're getting healthier and healthier as they go along. And with the addition of a, of a Cole Beasley and some other players, I think uh, they're priming for a run.
1: When you watch the offensive line, obviously you know the offensive line very well. Is this a line that can perform even better than what we've seen? Because I think that there have been injuries, or you know, there are holes. Guys have had some roller coaster seasons, right? But when they're all in there and they're all together, I don't know. I think this offensive line's pretty good, Jerry. What do you see when you watch their offensive line?
0: I think so too. I think it's a group that's that's had some injuries. And they're trying to overcome some stuff uh, earlier in the year. I think they've probably had about four or five different O line combinations uh, that played in games and started games. So, you know, it takes a little bit of time. I think that, you know, this is a group that's really good in gap scheme type stuff and running the stretch and running fold scheme things. I don't think they're a tremendous uh, zone-blocking team by no means, but I think that they really excel when they can use their athleticism, get out and run, and uh, I think that uh, Dorsey's been doing quite a bit of that the last few weeks.
1: So you obviously blocked for a guy by the name of Jim Kelly who's in the Hall of Fame, and he was mostly a pocket guy. On occasion, he could get out, but nothing like Josh Allen. Josh Allen is 6'5", 250, and he's a maniac, a wicked competitor. Jim was too, but Josh is just, he's jumping over people. He's doing 360s and pirouettes and all the rest. How do you think you would approach blocking for this guy who's constantly all over the place?
0: It's the same way you, you, you prepare to block for Doug Flutie. I mean, it's no different. I mean, Doug is small uh, compared to Josh Allen, but they're the same thing. I mean, they're scrambling quarterbacks. Yeah. So you're going to go ahead and you know you just know that you got to stay on your man. You got to run him no matter where he is because the play is always alive when you have a guy back there that can run around and do some things. And and obviously, Josh is that type of quarterback.
1: What was Dolphins Week like for you?
0: Dolphins Week back then, was I think, was a lot more uh, intense. Um, I think the rivalry may have been bigger back then. I mean we kind of had that lull. Uh, the AFC East had a lull over the years. But uh, It's picking back up. It's getting more steam. Uh, kind of starting to feel a little bit of the hatred once again. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it should be a tremendous game. But yeah, I mean, Dolphins leaked, I mean, things went up a little bit. An extra click or two on the uh, on the energy meter, no doubt.
1: Do you feel confident in the Bills winning the AFC East and being the top seed at this point?
0: I mean, I, I feel confident the Bills win out. Wow. I mean, I'd expect us to win all, you know, win out this season uh, and, and take that number one seed and, and enjoy all the uh, benefits you get from playing uh, late in the season in, in Buffalo. So, yeah, I would be disappointed that they didn't win
1: out. A couple more for Bills. Great Jerry Ostrowski, the former guard uh, for the Bills from 1993 to 2001 in a Tulsa Hall of Famer, of course, with the Golden Hurricanes, his 55 jersey. Is also retired. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know what you think about the way the NFL edge rushers are these days. In other words, the Micah Parsons, the Von Millers, those kind of guys when he's healthy, um, you know, the, the in between guys. Will Anderson's kind of like that. They're tweeners. They're not quite defensive end size guys like Reggie White, Bruce Smith. They're not quite linebacker size like a Lawrence Taylor. They're somewhere kind of in between and they run the edge, they play the edge. It's a different kind of edge rush. Um, how do you feel about that part of the game here? Because I, I, I think after the quarterback, I think that's the most important part. you got to have somebody to stop the quarterback.
0: True, true. You also have somebody to be able to cover a number of receivers so that your pass rush can get home as well. So obviously those two go hand-in-hand, hand, a cover corner, a shutdown corner, and a, and a pass rushing defensive end. Obviously the game evolves. Back when uh, in the 90s when I was playing, those defensive ends were a lot bigger more bigger body guys, right. guys that can really play. Uh, you know, we more physical type run stopper guys as well as rush quarterback. Now, the way the game's evolved and, and the passing and all that, you've got offensive tackles that are a lot taller. Maybe they have issues bending as well. Uh, say a, a guy that's not as tall. That's where the guys like you know Von Miller and and the rest of them come in. I mean, you're starting to get some athletic mismatches especially with Micah Parsons. I mean, Micah Parsons reminds me of of Lawrence Taylor, you know, just absolutely so much. I mean, as a kid, I watched Lawrence play. I watched LT play. Being in Philadelphia and being an Eagles fan, you know, and that's how Micah plays. And so they're taking advantage using their athleticism maybe against some guys that aren't quite as athletic as they are. But, um, you know, obviously that game has evolved quite a bit.
1: Okay. The weather in Buffalo – when it's this time of year and if they can get the home field advantage, what, what did you hear when you played, when the Bills had home field advantage? What, what were some of the terrifying thoughts about the visiting team, you know, going in there and trying to win? Why is it an advantage? <laughs> I think advantage? a prime
0: example, yeah, I think a prime example of this is, is, is you know, when Thurman I' down the that year, you know, the Dolphins had historically come to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. they come out with hoodies on six, seven layers. They just couldn't move. They couldn't play. They had so many clothes on because they are so worried about the cold. You know, and the first thing Thurman told them was you guys look like idiots. You need to get rid of all the extra stuff, wear what you normally wear, and, and go out and play ball. And um, so, you know, that's the biggest thing is just the psychological aspect. Anybody can play in the cold, but when you don't wake up in it every morning like you do in Buffalo, New York, it's awful hard to, to go out there and trick your mind into thinking, you know, this is fun.
1: Last question for you. I had uh, Marv Levy on a couple months back on the show, uh, on my other on my other show, and um, uh, he he was obviously as alert as ever. And you know, I know that you think uh, great things of him. W- what did you learn from Marv that really has stuck with you through the years, Jerry?
0: I think I think the biggest thing was just you know, Marv was such a, a manager of, of of people. I mean, he was such a manager of people, manager of people, and he. You know, he had a way that he liked to do things, but he wasn't like that, that hammer. He wasn't that guy that came in and was like, you're going to do this or else. He, you know, he, he, he treated everybody like a, like a man. Um, he, he let everybody have the opportunity to do their job, and if they needed some help along the way, he would give it to them, but, you know, he just understood that everybody heard things, did things differently, and there was really no one concrete set way of doing stuff. And, you know, that's why he was successful in Buffalo because he had so many great players and he was able to manage those guys along the years.
1: Buffalo Bill's great Jerry Ostrowski. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ostrowski underscore Big O, the former Buffalo Bill uh, offensive lineman and a uh, Hall of Famer for the University of Tulsa football. Jerry, I really love uh, our chats. Appreciate you getting back with me, and uh, we'll talk down the line here. Go Bills.
0: Sounds good, Joe Bills.
1: Terrific conversation, as I expected, with Jerry Ostrowski. I'm going to hit on the Bills-Jets game from this past week, and then I'm going to preview Dolphins Week here on the Pandemonium Podcast and the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. Uh, a reminder to definitely subscribe to our YouTube page and get us all over the social platforms, uh, as well as com. That's builtinbuffalonews.com. Um So, first things first, right? Sometimes you just win ugly in the NFL. I mean, that's just really what it boils down to. You know, you just win ugly in the NFL. And it's okay, especially this time of year. I think going into the Jets game, um, I found it laughable that people were predicting Bills 38 to 13 and all these scores, these wild scores. Because I'm thinking, yeah, okay, revenge is on the mind, but the weather is going to be terrible. And... You know, the Jets have a really, really good defense here. And if they get a turnover, if they move the chains on third down, if they're efficient in keeping Josh Allen off the field, it could be a close game. Now, the key play to the game at the end of the first half was clearly when Dawson Knox came in under center, or, you know, behind center, behind Mitch Morris, on a fourth down deal. It was a short field. You knew the Bills were not going to go for that. Everybody knew it except C.J. Mosley, right? So he jumps over. And he gets the offside call. The Bills then uh, proceed to, I think, really change the game. I mean, right after that, the Bills go down and uh, score a touchdown cap by the amazing Allen, you know, toss to Dawson Knox, that little float pass, and Knox, you know, kind of pirouettes into the end zone um, for, the, for the touchdown. The Bills were in, in control, even up a touchdown. Now, the Jets tied it, but then the, the Bills with a great quick drive, six plays, 75 yards, 239 in time. Made it 14-7. They get a Bass field goal at the end of the third. They get a Bass field goal at the start of the fourth. And then obviously the block punt you know, kind of made some things interesting, 20-9. The Jets get the ball back. Uh, they did have the fumble um, as well, but uh, got a field goal. And then there was a chance that maybe the Jets could get the ball back and get a two-point conversion. But the Bills were firmly in control, I thought, at 20-7. to It was just a matter of kind of riding the clock out, trying to not make any mistakes, and you know, going and, and winning the football game. Uh, I thought Josh Allen in the first half, his will, especially on the ground, was was a huge difference in this game. He only had 147 yards through the air and a touchdown, 16 to 27 passing, but he did not throw a pick. He did not have any fumbles. Uh, the running game was 102 yards, not that much. And also Josh Allen back up to the top as the leading rusher. Right, this was a huge Dawson Knox game. I mean, he had the touchdown catch. He had the huge play where he went behind Mitch Morris and drew Mosley offsides. He was great at blocking both. Uh, you know, really in the run game, but in the pass game as well, when he could get downfield, I, I thought I just thought Dawson Knox was outstanding in this game, uh, arguably the best player, um, you know, for the Bills for sure. Uh, the Bills had two recovered fumbles, um, you know, one of those obviously happened deep and late into the game, um, and 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 I gotta say, I mean, the Jets fumbled four times, and they lost two of them, right? Um, so. Actually, no, they fumbled three times, and they recovered one. So, yeah, they lost two. It was the Flacco fumble and then the Michael Carter fumble. They recovered the Mike White fumble. Um, hey, kudos to Mike White, man. Seriously. I mean, this guy got drilled by Matt Milano, drilled. And he was still able to go out there and perform And you know, on the bad ribs and all that. He went back in the game, and, and, and you thought maybe he was going to will the Jets to a, a miracle of, of some sorts, right? I mean, he was he really was in there. Gotten it out um but the bills are showing their might at home they're five and one now and you know they're showing that they can win in a bunch of different ways right like think about the titans the titans are a team they're a decent team but the titans after derrick henry do not have any semblance of an offense right they don't have anything and if The Jaguars, or anybody else, scores 36 points, which Jacksonville did this past week. The Titans are not going to beat you. They cannot keep up with you offensively. The Titans can only win one way. Derrick Henry, and controlling the game, gutting it out, getting turnovers on defense and playing with a short field, winning clock management, winning time of possession, all that kind of That's the only way they can win. They can't have Ryan Tannehill beat you. They can't beat you 35 to 31. They can only beat you 17 to 13 or 24 to 20. You know, the bills have the ability as do the Bengals, as do the chiefs, as do the Eagles, as do the Cowboys, as do probably the 49ers. They have, you know, the ability to beat you in a million different ways. And I think the bills are showing that right now. I mean, they just won 20 to 12 in horrific conditions in Buffalo. When you look at this, you know, Last stretch here, you know, three wins in 12 days. Uh, the Bills have now won four in a row, right? I mean, the Cleveland-Detroit wins in Detroit. Uh, and then at New England on a short week, which was completely dominant. I mean, they won 24-10. That game felt like it was 50-10. And, you know, now they're 10-3, and and they're atop the AFC uh, East and atop the AFC overall. they got to obviously keep winning, which brings me to Dolphins week and another enormous, enormous game. Sometimes in the NFL, it's when you get a team, right? Timing is everything. And the Bills are getting the Miami Dolphins right now, a team that is really, really struggling, right? I mean, they've lost two games in a row. They got blown out against San Francisco 33-17, and the Los Angeles Chargers beat them 23-17. And what has happened with the Dolphins is that they are – the defenses that they've been playing are are taking away – the uh and it started with San Francisco especially but they have the ability they're di- they're they're, they're kind of diagnosing the dolphins offense which is a good offense i mean Tua and Waddle and Tyree Kill have put up some ridiculous numbers this year but they figured out a way to kind of gap scheme and and figure out where to put people to take away the short intermittent passing lanes that is that is what's happened against the niners and that's what happened again against the chargers clearly The Chargers use some of that blueprint, and it's causing Tua Tunga Viola, you know, to really have some major, major problems. I mean, he threw two uh, interceptions against the Niners. He was horrific against the Chargers as well. He only had a 35.7 completion percentage. Uh, He only had 145 yards. He was sacked twice, looked totally clueless, missed a bunch of people, Threw overthrew people, underthrew people, probably should have thrown a couple picks in that game too, But Tua has struggled with this scheme, and so I think with the Bills, I think what you're going to see is the linebackers against Tua. This is going to be a huge game for the Milanos and for uh, Tremaine Edmonds, and it's going to be a huge game for, uh, of course, uh, I think Taron Johnson in the nickel position. Uh, It's going to be a huge, huge, huge game because they have the responsibility of doing exactly what the 49ers and the Chargers have done the last couple of weeks in terms of you know getting in front taking away you know the 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 gaps in those short passes because the Bills if they're going to win this football game this Saturday I think they do I'm leaning towards 27-21 kind of score um but if they're going to win this game they need to absolutely positively uh, you know, eliminate the big play for the Miami Dolphins. If the Dolphins can get a couple of big burners where they, you know, dump it to Tyreek Hill for six yards and he runs for 50, the Bills will be in trouble in this game because Miami, their big play offense is literally their bread and butter. That is where their That is where their bread is butter. That is the Dolphins. That's their excitement about them. That's how they get it going. That's their DNA. And so if the Bills can eliminate the big play, I think they've got a tremendous shot to win this football game. I think the Bills are more talented. I think the Bills are – I mean, if you want to talk about a revenge game above any other, the Chiefs are always going to be number one, right, at this point. But, like, the Dolphins, the way the Bills lost that game in Miami, they know that they let that slip away. I mean, the Bills, you can tell me all you want about the weather advantage for Miami and all that. You can tell me about how they were on the sun side Miami wasn't. You can tell me about the fans. You can tell me about all that. Fans as in, you know, blowing air, not Dolphin fans. Um You can tell me about all that stuff. I don't care because the Bills went in and won in the same conditions the year before, right? I don't care. The Bills outplayed the Dolphins in that game. For as much crap as the Dolphins fans want to talk, the Bills absolutely outplayed them in every facet of the game, pretty much, right? It was just a bounce here and a bounce there that didn't go the Bills' way. The revenge factor will be even greater than this past week against the Jets against Miami. I am picking Buffalo 27-21. to 21. And, oh, by the way, it is interesting. Dolphin fans, many of them say, well, Josh Allen is only good because they got Stephon Diggs. Sure thing. Then the Dolphins get Tyree Kill, and all of a sudden, Tua Tungabaiola is an MVP candidate. But Josh Allen is still only good because... Stephon Diggs is his number one guy, right? I mean, come back. We know the football puzzle is what it is, right? There's 53 men. You need everybody. The quarterback's the most important part, but if you don't support the quarterback, the quarterback can only do so much. You got to have great coaching. You got to have this. You got to have that. It's all going to fit and blend together, right? And so the Bills this week, again, it appears as though the roster is relatively healthy. I know that they're coming off of somewhat of a short week. You know, playing Sunday at 1 o'clock, it would have been Sunday at 1 again, but they flex it out to prime time on Saturday night as a part of a triple-header NFL on Saturday. That's all fine and dandy. The Dolphins have a way, 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 way harder task, okay? The Dolphins went uh, to San Francisco. I don't even know if they're flying back across the country and then flying back to L.A. I don't know what they did. But either way, two trips to the West Coast the last two weeks – then they gotta fly. They, they, you know, you fly back to Miami, uh, and then you've got to fly up to Buffalo. You know, on a short week because they played. You know, they played. They played Sunday night. I mean, that's. You know, they didn't get back probably until like five six in the morning on Monday, and then you know they gotta go right to the football offices and you know football facilities and get ready for Buffalo uh, on Monday with like no sleep, and then Tuesday Wednesday Thursday. I'm assuming you leave Friday early for Buffalo, maybe, maybe even Thursday. I, I don't know what the travel schedule is. I'm not, I'm not the travel coordinator for the Dolphins, but man, two West Coast games in a row. They got beat handily in both. I know the Chargers only beat them by one possession, but good grief. I mean, whew, that is, that's some tough stuff. And now you got to fly up to Buffalo. So I think the Bills though are playing decent football. I think that their best football was at the beginning of the year. I think that their best football could be found again, but I like the fact that they have a complementary offense. I like the fact that they can win in different ways. I like the fact that they have a little bit of a ground game. I like the fact that Josh Allen's correcting his turnover situation. I like the fact that the coaching is improving. I like the fact that there's an opportunity to maybe get home field for the entire playoffs. Everybody go through Orchard Park. I like the abil- uh, uh, I like the possibility that the offensive line could be together and dominant by the end of the year. The front has been great. I mean, look, no Von Miller, but you could feel his presence against the Jets this past week. You could feel it. Greg Russo was a monster, probably his best game as a Buffalo Bill, batting down passes, sacking the quarterback. Epinesa was all over the place. Basham all over the place. Shaq Lawson all over the place. Unbelievable job, ground game, and pushing the pocket to get to Mike White, uh, you know, in this game, as well as Joe Flacco from guys like Tim Settle and Daquan Jones. Daquan Jones... Is the most unheralded signing for the Bills in the offseason. He has been spectacular for Buffalo. And when Milano's healthy and Edmonds are, are healthy, you know, is healthy, that defense is a completely different animal. Jordan Poyer was a beast yet again. He's all over the place. DeMar Hamlin doing his thing. The cornerback spot, it's still kind of a work in progress, believe it or not. I mean, we're heading into week 15. Trey White is back now playing pretty much at 100%, but that other side is, is, is hit and miss. I mean, it's been a revolving door, whether it's been a Xavier Rhodes or it's been, you know, a, a, a Kyrie Lam and Christian Benford, and he's hurt and you're waiting for him to get back. Um, you know, there, it's just been so many different. Dane Jackson's been getting torched this year. So that's been a totally, totally crazy, um, you know, revolving door. But I think the Bills, in due time, will figure it out. Give me the Bills, 27-21 to 21 over the Miami Dolphins. I'm Mike Lindsley, host of the Pandemonium Podcast here on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. Hey, find Built-in Buffalo on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. I think we just hit 60,000 on Facebook uh, followers. And, uh, of course, on Twitter, we just hit 14,000. So we're growing every day, seven days a week of Bill's content. You can read us. You can watch us. You can listen to us. And please visit builtinbuffalonews.com, com. Thanks for listening to the Pandemonium Podcast here on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. I'm Mike Lindsley. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. And go Bills.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.